Hi, and welcome to this uh, week's live stream. And what a crazy few days it has been. Uh, I just can't believe what's been going on the last few days. But today, what I'm going to talk about specifically is the Federal Reserve tapering, but this will also, um, it's going to cross over whether you're in England, so Bank of England, in Europe, so ECB, European Central Bank, uh, Bank of Canada, etc. This sort of, what we're going to talk about this evening, or whatever time it is where you are, it's evening here, but this is going to cross over to where you are, and it will explain what will happen to asset prices as a result of yesterday's announcement. Now, I thought it was really interesting because when that announcement was made and I went through and analyzed a lot of it, made a lot of notes, I thought, wow, all the you know usual YouTube finance people are going to be all over this and talking about asset prices, you know, the issue next year. And no one really seems to be saying that. Most people are just coming up with reasons why, um, you know, because, you know, a lot of them didn't get it quite right on um, the tapering. A couple of them who you remember the interviews said, you don't know what you're talking about, Neil. There's no way they're going to taper. And um, well, that's what was announced yesterday. The taper was announced. And just so that we don't get into any, oh, you know, you didn't say that, Neil, back and forth nonsense. I'm just going to do a screen share a second and then we'll just review it. Okay, so that's where we are right now. So what's next? Well, more inflation. I haven't changed my forecast in the last five to six months about the tapering. This is where they reduce quantitative easing, so asset purchases. I still believe they're going to do that in November. We're hearing a few um, murmurs about it now. I haven't changed my opinion. Some people are like a yo-yo. Oh, they're not going to do it. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, I haven't changed my opinion. I still believe they're going to do it. And if that ends next summer, so let's say the beginning of Q3 next year, 2022, or let's say it's in, you know, near the end of Q2, so we're in the summertime, what you've still got is half a trillion dollars. And again, it's different for each country, but it's almost the same everywhere. That's going to go into the markets. So people that think there's going to be a housing market crash in December, I've got news for you. It's probably not going to happen just yet. I still think the housing market is going to crash. I think the stock market is going to crash, but they're just not going to crash just yet. Is it? Going to okay. So that was the main thing I said, and I basically talked about a taper beginning in November, ending in the summer, and it would be fifteen billion per month. So that was. Let me just tell you what I said there: ten billion in treasury securities and five billion in agency MBS, which is mortgage-backed securities. So uh, that was announced yesterday. So Jerome Powell actually announced that and um, exactly that. So let's just let's just go over that a second. So let's just say in November, it's brought down from the $120 billion a month, which is money printing, which is not actually money and it's not printing. It's quantitative easing. So the creation of, of um, new currency, shall we say. So treasuries, Federal Reserve, um, and then Fed accounts, liquidity into central banks. I won't go into it all. It's very complicated. But if they do start doing the, the QE, which they say they are, they're going to taper. This means in November, they'll be buying 105 billion of securities a month. December will be 90 billion. January 75, February 60, March 45, April 30. May will be 15 billion. And then that will it be it. So in June of 2022, all of the asset purchases will be over. Now, I had 
I've seen some other people saying that this is a token taper, it's not going to really happen, you know, they're not going to do it and they're doing all this other stuff. Well, in theory, yes, there's some truth to that. But in practice, I don't think that is what's going to happen. I do think the Fed are going to taper their asset purchases. Um, I'm, I'm fairly confident of that in the same way I've been confident of, a, of my other forecast this last year. So I do think they're going to do it. However, there is a wild card here where they m may reverse decision. So I think that if they're doing this and they're doing this taper and then things start to go bad in the economy, which I'm expecting late 2022, I think if things do start to go bad, they're just going to stop the taper of quantitative easing and then they're going to ramp up the asset purchases all over again. So that is personally what, what I think. And maybe that explains some people who got their forecast completely wrong and said they're never going to taper, not going to happen. And, you know, they debated with me on interviews that you've seen. And now it's happened and they've said, well, yeah, but um, that doesn't mean they're actually going to do it. They're going to do it. It's going to happen. So let me explain what happens next then from here, because this is, I think, what you want to know, especially if you have savings or you're an investor or you're a homeowner or you have some funds in the stock market, things like that. Um, let me explain what I think is going to happen with asset prices. But just before then, I know I've tweeted about this this week and I, a lot of you are already in the private community. We started this week on Tuesday our new investment challenge. So we've done, this is our fourth one now. Well, third official one, but the, the, the um, one of them was more of a, when the cryptocurrency market crashed this year, um, we were buying Polkadot and some of the other crypto, which is the new network, and which we believe might even replace or compete with Ethereum in the future. We were buying that as low as $12. Well, today that is up to $54. So that was one of the unofficial parts that we did this year. So we tend to do about two of these per year. The previous one was about 200% return. And the one before that was about 100% return, which I think some of you know about. That was the silver. I made the video why I went doubled down in silver and things like that. So if you're interested in joining this latest one, you don't give any money to me. It's all you. It's just instructions. I've written a big document explaining my 10 points or the plan for all the, the, the picks that we've done. And then, um, you know, there's three groups. So there's a very safe, secure group. There's then group two, which is medium risk. So half safe, half a little bit more speculative. And then group three is very speculative. So that is um, how it's all been set up. So uh, the link is below in the, the description if you want to go and see that. And I'll put it on screen now if I can as well. So there's the link on screen as well. But you'll see it below in the description. It says join the private community and you can join in with that if you want to. OK, so let's get on to it then. So I think what will happen once they do this taper, if they go all the way through with it to June of next year, what this will do, and I'm going to talk about th three wild, two wild cards here. Number one, that this is going to pull out the liquidity from the markets, from the equity markets. And you've got to think now about assets and equities and the stock market, the housing market, um, being driven by these very low, historically low interest rates, which is pushing up prices and affordability and housing, etc. If you're getting value from this podcast, then you're going to love my private community, which can be found at patreon.com forward slash Neil McCoy Ward. 
We have over a thousand members in that community. It is a fantastic community of like-minded friends committed to finance and economics. Every month, not only do you get my investment-based posts, but you also get a video which is all about macro and investing. So if you're not sure what to do with your money at the moment and how to invest going forward, you should definitely join the private community over on Patreon. Thanks for listening. But also it's the sheer amount of liquidity. So all this QE and the liquidity, um, commercial banks, etc. You've got a lot of liquidity in all of these markets. Well, if the QE is stopped, and I think that's another reason, by the way, why the markets didn't react negatively to the news, because they've known this for a long time that QE could start, um, the tapering could start, and they're probably thinking, or, or they probably already factored in a lot of the um, uplift, basically. They, they probably already factored this in. Because if you, if you calculate the $120 billion and the taper down, that's still half a trillion dollars that's going to go into the equity markets between now and June of next year. So I think that's been factored in and no one really cares about it because it hasn't even started yet anyway. So that would be my reason why. Because when I saw the markets go up, a lot of people were, were messaging me in the, in the community and stuff and saying, what on earth has happened there? Why, why aren't the markets going down based on the news? And I think it's probably that. They'd already factored it in and it's not going to begin yet, so they're not worried. They've still got a big you know, half a trillion going in, plus there may be other liquidity going in as well. So that would be my explanation for that. However, the TGA account, I've made a note here, TGA account, that is the treasury. Uh, the, Treasury general account, okay, expects its balance with the Fed to rise by about half a trillion, meaning this will also drain liquidity from the market. So this is the other thing. You've got some counterweights here. You've also got um, reverse repos. So you've got all these counterweights. These are your sort of three wild cards. So in theory, that once you get through to next year and you go through Q1, Q2, and the liquidity is, is drained out, what you should see, and again, this is just in theory, I'm not saying this for a fact, but in theory, what you should see is asset prices start to reduce or at least plateau once you move into Q3. So that is my thoughts on it as of right now. But let me continue on through the notes. Yeah, so I do, I do expect asset prices to keep increasing I don't think they're just going to crash right now. So that's housing market. And I'm talking predominantly USA right now because each country will depend on your own central bank. All you need to do is look at your central bank and see if they've started tapering or reducing their asset purchases. Now, in the USA, that would be treasury. So treasury bonds, the 10 billion and the MBS, so mortgage backed securities. I've mentioned before, the, U the Federal Reserve owns more than half of the mortgages in the USA as a result of this program during the, um, you know, the whole COVID situation. Uh, why, so why didn't the Federal Reserve, this was the next question people have been asking, why didn't they announce interest rate rises? Well, again, I've said for a long time now, they won't actually raise interest rates and there won't be an announcement. I, there's no way they're going to do one this year. I don't think they're going to do one for the first half of next year either. And if they do one next year, I think they might do one or two. And you're talking 10 to 25 basis points. They really can't do any more than that. 
And even then, I don't even know if they'll do that. If they reverse the taper because there's a, a crisis or unemployment. I'll tell you one funny thing Jerome Powell said in a minute, actually, that almost made me fall off my chair laughing because I was like, what, what is he talking? Why would you say something so bizarre around unemployment? See, that could, that's one thing then that could affect this. Um, I've mentioned briefly uh, reverse repos, uh, went up to $1.3 trillion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this link off now. Yeah, let me, in fact, let me tell you what Jerome Powell said, because I thought it's quite funny. Uh, he said in his press conference that he expected hiring to explode this winter. So I think he probably took people by surprise in the room when he said that. So he thinks more people are going to go into the job market. And the reason I thought that was such a bizarre statement is because I thought with all these incentives and bonuses and everything else that all these companies are giving right now, to entice workers in, oh, $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 sign-up bonus. Why would all of a sudden people just join in, come back to the workplace in the winter? No, what's happened is you've got all these people of retirement age or below retirement age who have left the workplace. Why? Why would they do that, you've got to ask? Well, because of all this QE, their asset prices, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you what the the statistics are on that as well, have exploded. So people who couldn't afford to retire before are bringing their, their sort of thinking forward now. And they're saying, well, I couldn't retire before because I didn't have the money to do it. But my assets, my house or my stock portfolio has doubled in the last year or so. So now I can actually um, afford to, not, not the house doubled, but you know, th th some of their assets, depending on how speculative they are, have doubled in the last year. So now they can afford to retire. I just don't see why those people would come back into the marketplace to work again. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and what's he going to do? Is he going to reverse the mandates or the vax mandates that, are, that have come into effect? Is he going to reverse all of those so that people aren't leaving their, their employers in droves? No, I, I don't think he's going to do that either. What else? Is he going to reverse the psychology and the, the sort of mass hysteria, hysteria that exists now, uh, hysteria <laughs> that exists in the younger people, the younger generation, who don't want to come back to the workplace because they're afraid of um, you know, health risks at the moment. That's what they are afraid of. If you look at the, the statistics that I talked about in my, my last video, it's not the older people that are afraid to come back into the workplace. It's young people. It's young, you know, you're talking teenagers through to... 30-year-olds, these are the people that I'm very surprised are afraid to come into the uh, workplace. I'm not sure if they've, they've looked at the statistics, but th they probably should do that um, so they can get a more realistic uh, expectation. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I think it's probably the media has scared them, petrified these, these kids to death so they don't want to come back into the workplace. How is, how is Jerome Powell going to cure all of this? He can't. He's not going to change any of those three major points, which is some of the things keeping people out of the workplace. What about a lot of mothers who have decided they want to stay at home for the time being? They want to stay home. They want to be with their kids, etc. Is that going to change? No. No, that's not going to change either. Not for a while yet. I think probably in about six months time, you're going to start seeing turns around in, in staffing and employment. But it, it's not going to happen yet. 
one other point, because I saw um, a people, some people were making some comments this week on the channel. Um, people saying that asset bubbles are impossible to see. So I saw a couple of people said this and they said, you don't know, you know when there's an asset bubble, Neil, that they're impossible to see. But that's actually not true at all. Asset bubbles are really, really simple. They're the easiest thing to see in the world. What is extremely difficult is knowing when they're about to pop. That is the one thing that everyone gets wrong. <laughs> you could put me in the room with some of the top Nobel Prize winning economists. We could all talk about when we think asset bubbles are going to pop. None of us, are, you know, if some people get it right, it's just purely on odds and statistics of, of different guesses. But no one, you wouldn't get 100% of the people getting that right or even 80% getting it right. Because these things can go on for a lot longer than you expect. So even though I'm talking about Q3, Q4, you might start to see issues with asset prices. That's only based on right now. What about the TGA account? What if that changes? What about the reverse repos? What if they stop the, you know, the tapering? This will then keep asset prices pushing higher yet again into an even bigger bubble. We're in the biggest bubble we've ever been in, in civilization right now. Uh, it's pretty, pretty worrying. Uh, got some key points here. So we're talking about some of the retirees, the boomers that are retiring, etc. The wealthiest 10% of Americans now own 89% of all US stocks, a record high that highlights the stock market's role in increasing wealth inequality. That was a statement that came out this week, statistic. The, and here's the top 1%. You always hear me talking about the, the top 1% who own most of the money. The top 1% gained over $6.5 trillion in equities and mutual fund wealth during the pandemic. That is the latest data from the Federal Reserve. And the bottom 90% of Americans only hold about 11% of the stocks. Very interesting. Okay. The stock market holdings now make up about half of the $109 trillion of financial assets that household owned through the second quarter of 2021. That's really worrying because it's only a matter of time until this stock market comes down heavily. And then we're going to see some major, major issues if that is what people, you know, so many households have got their money in. Half of all households have got their, their wealth, as they consider it, in the stock market. Goodness me, this is worrying. The equity share of assets is, a, is at a 70-year high. 70-year high, uh, according to the Bank of America. And their outlook isn't good either. Okay, this was, this was funny. This one made me laugh. So there was... Uh, some surveys going on at the moment, speaking to Americans of all different ages. And they were, they were basically asking, are you willing to take on debt at the moment? And if so, why are you willing to, to take on debt? Are you saving and things like that? So a lot of the people were saying they're not saving and they are now splurging out. So they're going on a spending spree right now. So they were asked, you know, why are you going on a spending spree? 96% of the younger generation, so these are below millennials, they said, because 
because we deserve it after being locked down for so long. So they're putting it on credit cards and things like that. Please, guys, if you've got youngsters like this, educate them on, on money and, you know, what people actually deserve. You deserve what you earn, right? Putting stuff on credit cards, thousands of dollars, because you've been, you know, locked down for a few months, that doesn't necessarily, to me, say um, someone deserves to go on, on a spending spree from it. But um, each to their own. Next, 59% of millennials have said, at ages 24 to 40, have said they're going to go on a spending spree. 56% of uh, Gen Z, um, sorry, sorry, let me say that again, 40% of Gen Xers, so this is 41 to 56, and then 32% of baby boomers, so age 57 to 75. I thought those statistics were quite funny uh, this week. So, uh, nice and short, didn't go on too long with this stream. I hope that helped. Uh, I'll put the link on again there. If you'd like to come over and join the private community, we have an amazing forum as well. The forum is, is worth worth the money on its own. Um, video every, every month, just did uh, the video this week. This is the investment video talking about how I'm investing. You can see my breakdown of assets. Uh, I'm going to be talking about pensions soon, 401ks. This is, the more research I do, the more worried I get with the, the, these pensions. Um, it's, it's a bit like, without going into too much detail, it's a bit like how you get a pyramid before where these people were supporting the next generation up. Now it's the opposite way around. You've got all these people retiring and just this many people working to support them. It's going to drain down. You haven't got that many years before this thing drains down. And then how are they going to fund it? Some places, I think it's Illinois. Um, I've got all the data in the other room, but I think it's Illinois, somewhere like that. It's already pretty much bankrupt with the, the pension program. Uh, California, they haven't got many years left. They're almost bankrupt. Um, goodness me, this is just not good. And the UK is just as bad. So is a lot of European countries. So yeah, we'll be getting onto that on, a, on another video that'll be coming up soon. Got some good videos. This uh, Saturday then is the monthly stream. So I'll be doing the big stream. That's up to an hour long. It, it varies in time each each month. Make sure to be on that. We've got a lot of questions coming through for that. Um, I think you'll enjoy that, the monthly stream. And um, other than that, I hope you have a great day and the rest of the week. Uh, take care. God bless. And I'll see you soon.